You are listening to the Less Drama, More Mama podcast, episode 281, Top Takeaways from the Podcast in 2023. This is Less Drama, More Mama, the podcast for moms who want to feel calm, in control, and confident about how to handle anything life throws their way. If you're ready to go from feeling frazzled and disrespected to feeling calm and connected, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Pam Howard. Hi, Mama. Welcome to the podcast. Congratulations on making it to the end of 2023. It's been a hell of a year. I'd say it was about 50% positive and 50% negative for me. Yeah, that sounds about right. Half the time I was having fun, spending time with people I love, doing purposeful work in the world, getting stronger at the gym, and feeling so much gratitude. And the other half of the time, I spent doubting myself, grieving losses, feeling discouraged, and trying to use those experiences as opportunities to learn about myself and grow. And so it goes. Every year has its ups and downs, and we can appreciate and celebrate the wins while hopefully learning and growing from the challenges. As we head into the new year, I wanted to do an episode of Top Takeaways from the podcast in 2023. These are clips of highlights from some of the most popular episodes of the year, and I know you're going to get a lot out of hearing them, even if you've heard them before. Repetition of these ideas is the key to incorporating them into your life. So let's begin. If we all understood this idea that it isn't better there than here, and that our capacity for happiness is the same at every moment, we might enjoy being where we are more of the time. I know this is counter to what everyone else talks about at this time of year. Most life coaches are focused on New Year's goals and resolutions and getting there as fast as possible. After all, Our brains are wired and conditioned to focus on the negative and what's not working, and they tell us we should always be improving and achieving bigger goals. But whatever goals we set, we're still going to be human on the other side of achieving them, which means we'll still experience both joy and pain, pride and shame, love and fear. So you might be wondering, Pam, if it's not better there than here, then what's the point of setting goals or trying to achieve something like losing weight, making more money, or even being a better parent to my kids? I think the point is to realize the power and potential within us to grow and evolve into the best versions of ourselves. I find that the more I do hard things, the more I learn about myself and the more I grow, my life keeps expanding and getting bigger but not necessarily easier. What is easier is dealing with the ups and downs because I have the tools to manage my brain. I was coaching someone in my damn good mama group, which by the way, is amazing. Shout out to all my damn good mamas. And this mom's five-year-old son didn't turn off his video games when she asked him to come to dinner. Her knee-jerk assumption was that he never listens, which caused her to feel aggravated, grab the controller away from him, and turn off the TV. He responded by hitting her, and the conflict escalated from there. 
This is a typical scenario that gets played out in families all over the world, right? So you can probably relate. I asked my client, if your son had used his words rather than his hands to communicate with you, what do you think he would have said? She thought about it and answered that he probably would have said, I don't want to stop playing, mom. Let me finish the game. If she had assumed better intentions from him, that he just really wanted to finish the game, not that he was being difficult or disobedient, she would have approached him in a totally different way. She told me that she would have engaged with him, asked him about the game, and then said, okay, you're at a good stopping point. Let's go upstairs and eat. What's fascinating about this is that when she assumed he wasn't listening to her, she wasn't listening to him. And when she imagined herself assuming better intentions from him, she imagined herself showing up in a better way too. Another example would be when your teenager arrives home late. You might automatically assume she's pushing the limits and taking advantage of you versus assuming that she had every intention of getting home on time and must have run into some heavy traffic on the way. Maybe your son failed a test at school. You assume he didn't study rather than assuming he didn't understand the material well. Your child didn't do his chores. Instead of assuming he's lazy, you could assume he lost track of time or feels unsure about doing it correctly since the last time he did it, you criticized his efforts. When you assume the worst, your brain looks for all the evidence to prove your thoughts true. You interpret everything in a way that supports your assumptions and you start to see your child in a negative light. This causes you to feel on edge, suspicious, resentful, and always taking things personally. Remember, other people's behavior is not about you. It's always about them. I did an episode a long time ago called Stop Taking Things Personally that I'll link to in today's show notes, which can be found at lessdramamoremama.com forward slash 235. When you take things personally, you get defensive, angry, and create drama in your relationships. Not only that, your beliefs about your kids can create a self-fulfilling prophecy. For example, if you assume your child is lying to you or sneaking around behind your back, you're going to start questioning them more, checking up on them more, and being more controlling, which then makes it more likely that they'll lie to you and sneak around behind your back. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't listen to your instincts or be informed by past experiences, but start paying more attention to what you automatically assume about your kids. What's the downside of assuming good intentions and giving them the benefit of the doubt? In my own experience, I've found that when I assume good intentions and then find out that I was wrong, my kids apologize to me. They want to make the situation better because they want to live up to the version of them that I hold in my mind. Some of you may be thinking, Pam, aren't you being delusional if you assume good intentions all the time? And I would answer, aren't you being delusional if you assume bad intentions too? Either way, it all comes down to how you choose to think about your kids. And since your thoughts cause your feelings, actions, and results, assuming good intentions and feeling good will lead to better results in your relationships and life. This week, focus on assuming good intentions from your kids. When you notice yourself jumping to conclusions or assuming the worst, stop and ask yourself, what else might be going on here? What's the best case scenario? And consider that that could be just as true.
I want you to consider the idea that your relationships with your kids are like a mirror that reveals to you the thoughts and assumptions you carry about yourself, your kids, and your relationships with them. The better your thoughts and assumptions are, the better your relationships will be. For example, when you think, I matter, I'm important, I'm lovable, and you feel love, appreciation, and respect for yourself, you'll naturally receive the love, appreciation, and respect you want from others. When you dominantly assume that your kids are cooperative and connected to you, you'll create the experience of having kids who help out around the house and come home from school eager to tell you about their day. Now, when you look in a mirror and don't like what you see, let's say it's the way your hair looks, you don't get mad at the mirror. You don't try to change the mirror to get it to reflect something different. You get a hairbrush or some hair products and change your hair until the mirror reflects back to you what you want to see. So when you notice that your kids are behaving in an undesirable way and you feel triggered, rather than getting emotionally reactive and trying to change them, you can use it as an opportunity to ask yourself, what is this reflecting back to me? What am I thinking about my child or about myself? What is my child's behavior trying to teach me about myself? What can I learn about myself from this experience? And then take your new knowledge into future interactions. If you simply identify the lesson but don't apply it, you'll keep creating the same problems again and again. So let me give you some examples. I often feel irritated when my kids leave a mess in the kitchen. This is totally a mirror of my belief about myself that I can be disorganized and messy. It's an ongoing struggle for me, but I notice that when I'm on top of my game, when it comes to being organized, my kids will sometimes follow suit and or their messes don't bother me as much. The next example comes from a friend of mine who believed she didn't love her kids enough because she resented spending all of her time with them. The mirror showed her that she wasn't loving herself enough to take the time for herself and her own needs. Another example is from a few years ago when my daughter used to sneak her phone into her room at night and text with her friend until the wee hours of the morning. This reflected the assumption that I had at the time that she was untrustworthy. It sounds counterintuitive and a little too good to be true, but when I fully let go of trying to control her phone use, and instead focused on being the mom who trusts her kids, meaning I practiced thinking, feeling, and acting like the mom I wanted to be. My daughter came to her own realization that she needed more sleep to function better at school, and she stopped texting late into the night. True story. You're constantly shaping your reality with your conscious and unconscious thoughts. And you can view the results you create as information or feedback about what's going on internally and use it to learn, grow, and evolve into the best version of you. This past Friday, my kids and I went to Disney World for the day. It's fascinating for me to just sit and observe family interactions while I'm there. It's called the happiest place on earth, which it certainly can be but there are so many kids and parents having emotional meltdowns everywhere you turn. 
I see the past version of me and my kids in so many of them. Most of the meltdowns have to do with the parents and kids fighting for control. One example I witnessed was with a girl about eight years old and her mom. The girl was sitting on a boulder that was rounded at the top and about three feet off the ground. She asked her mother for help opening her water bottle. The mother said, yes, but you have to come sit down over here. And she pointed to a spot on the ground near her feet. The girl said she didn't want to move and the mother didn't give a reason why she should move. So they argued back and forth until the girl finally got off the boulder, stomped over to her mother with the water bottle and sat on the ground looking upset. Their interactions continued this way with the mom telling her what and how to do things and the girl becoming more and more withdrawn. Just after observing this, another girl, also about eight years old, was walking along the tops of the boulders holding her father's hand for balance. When she got to the end, the father extended both arms to help her down and she said, I want to do it myself. He put his arms down and stepped aside to let her jump down herself. She smiled with pride as they walked off together. I know that these are just brief snapshots in time, but they left an impression on me because every interaction offers a chance for us to connect with our kids. And when we're reacting to our anxiety, it's almost impossible to do. It's a lesson I keep learning over and over again from letting Marissa cook by herself to letting her have her phone at all times to letting her drive the two and a half hour ride home from Disney at night just a few days ago. It was her longest drive to date and I was a little nervous, but I believe that she's a responsible driver. I even let Dahlia sit up front and I took the back seat. There was one moment when I looked up from my phone And I saw Marissa gesturing to Dahlia with both hands off the wheel as we were going 70 plus miles an hour. I reacted by saying something like, honey, watch what you're doing, and immediately knew that my backseat driving wasn't well received or necessary. I apologized. And when we finally arrived home, I congratulated her for driving so well. She said, maybe now I'll get some respect. I resisted my knee-jerk defensiveness at that comment. And I realized that at the core of power struggles, our kids do want our respect. They want to know that we believe in them and trust in their abilities. The first step is letting go of control and giving them opportunities to demonstrate those abilities. Don't wait until you're no longer anxious to start letting go. Accept that you're going to feel anxious and let go anyway. You can start in small ways, like allowing your eight-year-old to sit on top of a small boulder or jump down from it. Start building evidence that your kids are capable of being more independent and that you are capable of handling it. If the thought of letting your kids experience consequences feels challenging to you, I want to give you some tips to make it a little easier. First, think about natural consequences as being learning experiences that help your kids develop valuable life skills and self-confidence. Natural consequences are your friend. Start small with situations where the consequences are relatively minor, like letting your child spend his allowance on something you know he'll play with twice and then forget about. Clearly communicate your expectations and the possible consequences of a situation before it arises so your kids can make informed decisions. Resist the urge to shield or rescue them from natural consequences and let them take responsibility for their actions instead. After a natural consequence has occurred and emotions have calmed down, discuss what happened, what they learned, 
and how they might handle a similar situation in the future. Offer emotional support and validation instead of piling on shame and blame. Remember that the goal of allowing natural consequences isn't to punish kids, but to empower them to make informed decisions and learn from them. Just think about the most important lessons you've learned in life and how you learned them. Did you learn through hearing about the consequences or experiencing them for yourself? For better or worse, this is how your kids are going to learn their most important life lessons too. So focus less on trying to prevent consequences and more on who you want to be when your child is going through them. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to this podcast in 2023. I look forward to continuing to support you in your parenting in the new year. Talk to you next time in 2024. Bye-bye. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and you're ready to feel calmer, more confident, and more at peace in your family and life, I invite you to sign up for a free consultation with me to learn about how my coaching can help you achieve the exact life you want. You'll take the concepts and tools I share in the podcast and apply them to your own life. And as your coach, I'll be there to support you every step of the way. Go to lessdramamoremama.com forward slash mini and sign up now.